0: If there were an evidence-based modality that would allow you to take control of stress and negative emotion instead of it taking control of you, that you could use anytime, anywhere that was completely supported by scientific evidence, would you use it? It's coming up on this episode of the Authentic Success Podcast. Do you ever feel like you were made for more and you just don't know what this looks like yet? My name is Jordan Ulrich and I've made it my mission to help people just like you align with your inner genius, lead a fulfilling life on your terms and facilitate true transformation from the inside out. Authentic Success is here to challenge you, inspire you and bring you actionable strategies for stepping into the highest version of yourself from some of the world's greatest minds. You were put here with a unique purpose. It's time that we discover it and bring it to life. This is the Authentic Success Podcast. Okay, everybody, thank you so much. And welcome back to Authentic Success. My guest today is a renowned researcher in the field of psychology and is a driving force in the realm of emotional freedom techniques. Her clinical trials with EFT have tested its efficacy against other leading forms of mental and emotional healing modalities, including cognitive behavior therapy. She holds a long list of awards in her field, has been featured on worldwide platforms like TEDx, and is the creator of Gaia's Everyday Tapping series. She is also a Hay House published author of one of my favorite books, The Science Behind Tapping. So Dr. Peter Stapleton, thank you so much for taking the time to be here today. Oh,
1: it's my absolute pleasure. So So
0: this, I but before we go, I I honestly have to tell you um, that this book uh, was at a bookstore late in 2019. And I had never heard of your book, uh, The Science Behind Tapping before, uh, but I had been tapping every day for about a year. Um, and uh, maybe a year and a half. And I didn't know why it worked, but I knew that it worked, I mean, exceptionally well. So I went looking for this book called Flow, and they said they had one in stock. And they looked everywhere and everywhere. And they're like, we don't know what happened. Maybe somebody moved it around the shelf. Maybe somebody bought it, something. And I see the back, I see the spine of this book. And it says, oh, the science behind tapping. I thought, okay, tapping, I do that. I want to know about it then i saw okay forward by dr joda Spenz. okay this is the real deal <laughs> i bought it and um that was actually what led to uh, me becoming a practitioner in 2019 so had it thank not you. been for this book right i don't know uh i don't know if that ever would have happened so i had to thank you for that and thank i think you. it's just so amazing um you know, the work that you have done in this field, but maybe we'll rewind a little bit, like what got you into the field of EFT? Like what were like your first experiences with tapping? Because I know they're different for everybody, but I think everyone, you know, regardless has an experience where they're like, whoa, this actually works.
1: Yes, yeah. Uh- Frustration is the simple answer. That's what got me into tapping. So I, um, I was, work- and the book actually outlines a little bit of the story. I was working in eating disorders. So clinical work, um, lots of mainstream talk therapies, not working in that space. So I was complaining to a colleague. And as you do, you know, you complain about, I feel like I've spent all this time training and done my PhD in the area and it's not working. My patients aren't getting better. And he had come across tapping back in the day of dial up internet. So he was most patient as a person because it took a long time to connect web pages, you know, and um, he was trying to tell me about this tapping thing. I had no idea what he was talking about. I kind of dismissed him, but he helped me out at a support group. We were running for eating disorder sufferers sometime in the next couple of weeks. And during that particular session, a young girl had a panic attack. And he just sort of gestured, I'll just take her outside and, you know, help her calm down because we had about 50 people there. Anyway, within about five or six minutes, and that's no word of a lie, they were back and she was calm, whereas she'd been hyperventilating and absolutely something had triggered her. And I thought, oh, I hope he hasn't popped her a ballium or, or slept her something <laughs> called out there. Cause I'm like, that's very quick. What, what's happened here? And after everybody went home, I said to him, tell me what happened. And he said, I did that tapping thing I've been trying to tell you about with her. So because I'd seen something kind of, you know, really effective in, you know, in that scene. I said, you need to tell me more about this. So it then led to me going off to a local training. Somebody was running something. And my first experience at the end of the day, they got out a uh, Cadbury's chocolate block And they said, let's show you how to use this to reduce a food craving. And I had had not signed up for this because I didn't mind a chocolate bar in the afternoon. And they gave us all two squares of chocolate and we're tapping and we're tapping. And I'm not joking, Jordan. I was probably one of the last three still holding my chocolate going, yeah, not really ready to let this go yet. Don't mind. Because I didn't drink coffee in the afternoon. So that was sort of my... Anyway, it sort of took a few rounds but it just collapsed and I remember standing there thinking I have to go and wash my hands I don't want this feeling of chocolate and I certainly have no craving and so it was this moment of oh what is this this is this is mad what is this and this was 18 years ago so we had no science we had no understanding of anything we were just like okay this thing like you said it works so we went on to obviously um you know use it with our clients but then ultimately in the next three three or four years get into the research side of it so that was my first experience and to this day my daughters they don't eat chocolate so we just don't have chocolate in the house much so sure I can I can have a my students often buy me you know beautiful bags of chocolate and things like that for gifts And I can have one, but that's it. I just walk away. So that's 18 years that that, that's lasted. So that was my first experience. Yeah.
0: I do remember reading in your book, you talking about it being, you know, something for, uh, for food cravings. And, uh, it is amazing what takes place when, when the, you know, the, the, the arousal that's going on in the brain and the body, when somebody has an intense craving, whether it's smoking, whether it's alcohol. Uh, And I do remember watching Gary Craig, um, you know, the founder of EFT, uh, facilitating something for cravings and, and people would have like white wine, they would have cigarettes mm. and, mm. and they would take a sip of the, or they'd look at the glass of wine. They think I, I really do need this. And then, uh, they do one round of tapping, two rounds of tapping and they'd take a sip and they go, it tastes, you know, chemically, it tastes, uh, tastes bitter. It doesn't taste the same as it used to. Um, but I knew that, you know, uh, you probably have a better definition than anybody that that I have ever read. And for anybody that's not familiar with tapping, what is your definition for EFT? Because it's a very, uh, it's a very pragmatic and it's a very no nonsense description of what EFT is and why it actually works.
1: Mm. The most simple way I would describe it to anybody that was brand new is that it is just a stress reduction technique. So whilst it might be used for a range of different things, including trauma, PTSD, all we're doing is reducing stress about a certain problem in the body. Now, the way that is done is stimulating known acupuncture points on the body and the brain. And there's obviously a whole body of research behind that, um, including just of late last year, 2021, brand new research coming out about acupuncture. So by stimulating an acupuncture point on on the body, while you're focused on what it is that's giving you some distress or food craving or whatever it might be, we know the activity in the amygdala, the stress center reduces. Now that can happen through lots of stress techniques, uh, you know, EMDR, the eye movement one, deep breathing, meditation, and all of them get you to the same outcome. It's just tapping is self-applied, can be done in your own time, can be done on the run, particularly for busy people, and you'll still get the outcome. So, So the most simple way for me is it's a stress reduction technique. It's a way to reduce stress kids as young as four and five we were just talking about your three-year-old it's really quick for the little ones and we know that the activity in the amygdala reduces that has a cascading effect so I'm sure we'll get into it but things like stress hormones EEG brainwaves DNA expression they all change as a result of stress reducing in the body and and all of that's now been researched with EFT tapping
0: it's so beautiful because when you explain it as, oh, it's an energy modality and meridians and that, people might go, well, I don't really know what that means. But when you say it, at the end of the day, the thing that really messes us up is fear, right? I mean, fear gets in the way of what we want. It keeps us doing the things we don't want to do. Um, when you say something as simple as it's a stress reduction technique, people go, oh, okay, stress is bad. This we know, Um and I think that for for maybe for somebody who, who you know lives a high stress life, I feel like we have gotten way too good in, in Western culture, definitely. We've got way too good at one uh, two things, right? The first one is excusing stress, right? People go, it's just stress. Well, I like to teach my clients it's not just stress, right? It's it's not an excusable thing that that we should be living you know in the sympathetic nervous system every single day breaking down our body and the yeah. second thing we've gotten really good at is is treating things on a surface level right can't sleep take this you know anxious take this and while those things might work temporarily we're not getting to the root of why it's taking place in the you know why is it going on in the first place but but when we talk about, you know, gene expression and, and, and DNA expression and stuff, why is stress something that people should really take seriously, right? And how does it get in the way of, you know, people living an enjoyable life and, and their mental, emotional, physical health? Um, but also, what are some of the, you know, those cascading effects when people do start to eliminate stress or at least reduce stress on a day-to-day basis?
1: Yeah, um, and I'd probably throw in a third Uh, element there about the stress thing is I think it becomes a badge of honor for a lot of people in Western society too that the busier I am and the more stress I appear to be coping with the more that's sort of some status level so I think sometimes there can be secondary gain involved there and not wanting to let that go whereas um, ironically when you're in a calm centered state you make better decisions and things like that so yes the old just stress has a wear and tear on the body's immune system. And that's probably the most profound one that people don't see for many years, which is why we see chronic illness kind of beyond the age of 40 because you've had a good 20 years in the workforce you've been wearing and tearing the immune system inflammation's been increasing because of too much cortisol or adrenaline in the body and then we see these chronic illnesses and that could be you know something like a non-genetic form of cancer but it could be chronic fatigue syndrome it could be fibromyalgia it could be irritable bowel syndrome but people don't link that back to that lifestyle and you know in Mm. our current Um, even sort of pandemic that we're in at the moment I think we're yet to see the outcome of people living in a really high stress high fear couple of years and when they relax when it's all over chronic illness is going to surface because it'll be directly related and linked. Now the beauty of um reducing stress you know is that yes we will actually think more clearly that prefrontal lobe actually goes offline in a high stress state and we say this to our students because obviously i'm at the university because if they're in an exam and they're really stressed and worried and maybe got you know fear of failure and things like that ironically all the blood flow in that frontal lobe drains to the arms and legs ready for fight or flight which means they can't remember what they studied so we actually say a little bit of this tapping while you're sitting in the exam because it's perfectly okay Okay to bring that back online. So we make the worst decisions when we're actually in a, in a high you know, sympathetic state But that fight or flight. So we absolutely say to people, we now have definitive evidence in the EFT tapping research world that if you tap, you not only reduce that stress center, that amygdala sending out that message, but you will reduce cortisol. So my group tapping trial, one hour of tapping showed you reduce that cortisol by 43%, one hour of tapping you've almost halved that level and that was the average we had people 53 59 65 reduction so that was the mean the average which you just sort of go okay I'm not sure I come across anything better than that for now <laughs> but anyway one hour of tapping in a DNA trial showed 72 genes changed in their expression after tapping for one hour and they were genes to do with suppression of cancer so genes that would normally if they were kind of upregulated too long might actually start to give the message to cells we need you to deform and change in structure immunity so the immune system's dna expression actually improved so it's almost like if you're looking to kind of supplement your immune system here tapping would be the way to go so that particular the inflammation biomarkers in those um, uh, DNA cells as well also were reduced so they turn off if you like in layman's terms which means you don't have inflammation that's actually happening so not only do we have you know things like EEG brain scans we've done MRI scans here in Australia and we're showing that even just one hour of tapping, you know, over a couple of weeks, even if you did nothing in between, you're having this enormous biochemistry effect on the body. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned before, which I'm glad you said, we don't talk about meridians and energy because this is a physical technique. This is something that actually physically is impacting the body. And even late last year, 2021, Korean researchers have shown the meridian system we've always talked about from Eastern um, philosophies, which is the origin is a physical system. They call it the primovascular system. It's smaller than our capillaries, but it's physical and they've injected dye. They can see the acupuncture points. They can see sham points don't exist. So it's, it's a really curious place to be in at this time in history, I think, because we're like, hmm, people have known this from a different kind of language for hundreds of years but now we have a lot more kind of research to to show why tapping on an acupuncture point actually does make you feel better and have all these biological outcomes
0: yes and it's um what you said about about blood you know returning back to the to the frontal lobe which is 40 percent of our brain and it's a conscious thinking mind but it you know the subconscious mind is you know it's such a, unbelievable power uh and really is a driving force behind you know why we are like we do things and and then we're like why did I just do that right it's part of the the program that is largely installed in our in our childhood years but um a great example of what you said about about turning you know getting the creative centers of the brain to turn back on because when the amygdala is firing and we we have that hijack response right we're not logical, right? We are highly emotional and in a state of, of survival. And, and the window of vision goes from, you know, uh, all these possibilities to very, very few ways that things can work out. And my introduction to uh, to tapping was, uh, I know you're familiar with Brad Gates. Uh, I had heard of, of people tapping for money. So money was what led me to tapping. It was uh, 2018, my daughter was very, very young at the time. I was a new dad, a uh, new business owner, really clueless. Uh, uh, you know, my whole life felt like a total dumpster fire at the time. And I was always kind of uh, flirting with the idea, you know, flirting with having no money, but was always kind of just treading water. Right. And then I'd start making some progress and then, you know, get pulled a few steps back and all the, it was really a challenging time in my life. So I thought, okay, I've heard of this thing called tapping. So let's try it. I'm sitting and I didn't want anyone to hear me. So I've like got my phone, you know, turned down really low and, and I'm like, okay, you know, this money fear this money. And in uh, 13 minutes, I went from a, from a 10 out of 10 to a zero. And I thought, well, you know, I don't need to know why that just happened, but but I do know it worked, right? And it wasn't really until I came across your book that I learned, okay, there's actually measurable ways that we can see, right? What is it working? But what I wanted to know is is when you're measuring tapping against something like say cognitive uh, behavior therapy, what is the scale, like like, what are the numbers and the metrics that you're actually pulling? What is this data where you can see, okay, we have a tangible outcome. It's not just people saying, I think I feel better. It's like, no, we actually are able to measure um, the results. And there might be multiple ways of doing this, but in the studies that you have inside of the book, what are the ways that you're actually measuring You know, the, the efficacy, the effectiveness of EFT against you know, some of these other modalities, be it EMDR, CBT?
1: Yeah, 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 absolutely. We choose validated measures that are already out there as a questionnaire. So depending on what we're measuring, so we've done a a comparison to CBT for major depressive disorder. So in that we chose uh, metrics that were actually measuring diagnosis. Did they meet criteria uh, in dsm uh, four at the time for major depressive disorder? Um, We might measure things like self-esteem or anxiety levels or other secondary conditions. So we'll choose a questionnaire that's been validated out there in the field as a legitimate form of measuring that. Uh, If the other one that we've actually run and compared to CBT has been uh, food cravings, weight loss, so in obese adults. So again, we'll measure severity of food craving, uh, anxiety levels, depression levels, uh, power of food, restraint ability, but through validated measures that already exist in the field. What that gives us then, whether we've got a group doing CBT or a group doing EFT tapping is, the same measures, same data, but we can compare them to each other. So then we're able to sort of say, all right, at the end of treatment or at a follow-up period, six, 12 months later, how did those two groups compare to each other? So that's where we're able to even say, ironically, um, and some of the other studies that have been compared against EMDR and um, other types of tapping, you know, blends and things like that, is EFT gets its outcomes faster than comparable yeah. modalities like CBT. So just give you a small example, my food craving trial, it was an eight-week program. So and it was randomly allocated. They didn't get to choose eight weeks of CBT or eight weeks of tapping. Now at the end of that eight weeks, the tapping group achieved their outcomes, meaning statistically different to when they started, food cravings, all that sort of thing and maintained that six months and 12 months later. Now, the CBT group didn't reach that significant difference till six months, but then maintained it at 12 months for some of the measures, some of them they drifted back. So if you read a paper and go, oh, tapping's the same as CBT because at 12 months, they kind of got the same outcomes. It doesn't tell you the full story because the tapping group actually got theirs in the first eight weeks and then were happy days for the next year and didn't even think about their food craving. But the CBT people had to keep practising it, which most of them did, and they were diligent, which meant by six months they were like, yeah, I feel like I've got more control now and I'm not eating that food and lost some weight and things like that. But it's about, I think, how the speed at which it actually takes. Um, There was another trial that came out of Canada where, they did it for university students on sitting a test and exam and anxiety, and they had CBT and tapping. And the tapping group achieved it in two sessions, so they got five sessions each. But the tapping group reduced that anxiety and then just tapped for really no reason for the next three sessions. Right. But the <laughs> CBT group took five sessions and then went on to do their exams and all good. So it's interesting that you like if you're in if if you were concerned about cost so if some people are like well I want to see someone I want outcomes quickly and I don't have the funds or rebates to support me here then tapping's faster it actually is equivalent to gold standards but you get the outcomes much quicker and that probably yes. is better for people from a cost effectiveness point of view and rural and remote people that can't access you know pe- perhaps clinicians and things like that too so yeah it's really it's really interesting when you start to have a look at that
0: it is and I think that one of the things that is Um, that that became so appealing for me with EFT after my first experience was the speed at which you go from totally freaked out to totally calm. And, you know, sometimes we think that, that, you know, naturally when something comes up that causes that disruption in the body's energy system, we feel that fight or flight response. Naturally, we want to do something really quickly to, to solve it as fast as we can. But a lot of times we're, we're not solving it or <laughs> most of the time making it worse, right? So uh, taking even 5, 10, 15 minutes to do a few rounds of tapping, to, to calm the nervous system and go, okay, now I can actually get a, a bit of a clearer view on what it is that that is actually going on. Now, one of the things that I've noticed with myself and, and with clients is that sometimes, um, and this has happened for me many times, where you won't necessarily... Clear an issue on the spot, right? You won't notice a very, very big movement. Like using the the sub scale, maybe we'll be at like a nine down to like a six or a five, but then we won't really move it a lot after that. But then. The day after, two days after, it's like whoa, where did that go, right? So, is it normal to see sometimes for people kind of a delayed response in their uh, in their results, right? That automatic fear of no longer being there, maybe not right away, but over the course of a day or a week or or whatever it might be.
1: Yeah, I can actually tell you why it happens. So uh, whether it happens to someone in the moment or someone else can collapse it to a zero might be individual. But what happens when you actually open something up in the brain? So with tapping, as we know, you actually have to say your problem, which is different to a lot of talk therapies that might try and kind of reframe or, you know, look for the positive. So we don't. We say our issues. So it could be I'm really stressed, I'm, I'm really fearful, I'm really angry, whatever it might be. Even if you only get that to a five, because you've actually opened it up, if you like, you actually open up the neurological connection around that issue in the brain. Joe Dispenser actually has a fabulous video. Yeah, show so I
0: it. learned this from yeah, from uh, yeah. Dr. Joe.
1: And we talk about memory reconsolidation, but the brain has a window then that is open for four to five hours. Now, four to five hours after you stop tapping, you are still open to the brain changing. And what you wow. do is yes so this is um fabulous scientific papers around this but it's really good to know if you're a practitioner or you're doing your own self-tapping because one or two things can happen you either go off don't encounter anything that will hardwire the old pattern back in and happy days you'll notice the change the next day or two but if in that four to five hours you've only got your suds down to a five but then the issue you were tapping on, I'm just going to make this up, was your mother-in-law and then you went and encountered your mother-in-law in in the next four to five hours and something bad happened again, you actually will undo the work that you've just done because the the brain's still open. So if we're doing work with a client and perhaps it's quite distressing and we know we need a few sessions and we do some tapping but we only get it to a five out of ten, we recommend they go home and go to sleep. Because in that four to five hours that follows, we want the brain to really lock back down the change that we've made. So we actually recommend that people either go and have a lie down, have a rest, but don't encounter anything that will hardwire the old pattern or behavior if you haven't actually got it. Collapsed completely, like you said, a you know, complete neutral, calm space. So, yeah, that's been established in animal research. It's actually been established now with other types of phobia research that kind of memory reconsolidation window. But I think it's really important to note. But it explains what you said about why do you feel better the next day.
0: Yeah, no, I've, it's it's been a thing where it's like, well, that did nothing, and then the next day it's like, oh, it did a lot for me, right? Um, now, something that's, that's really, you know, crucial, I think, for people to understand is, uh, and I know you talk about this in your book, and one of the biggest mistakes that I have seen people with do with tapping is switching to the positive way too quickly, right? And so it's so counterintuitive, you know, when we look at something like somebody might say, well, I've read about the law of attraction, and I'm supposed to think positive, and here I am talking about, you know, the fact that I'm really angry at myself or something I did a year ago. But why is it so crucial that we actually go straight into the root of the problem and state the negative of what we truly feel and the the way that I compare this is like a a balloon uh, that's inflated and we're trying to push it down like the emotion and the thought is already running in the subconscious right, so the moment that we shine a light in that dark place we pop the, the, the balloon with a pin and all of a sudden. It becomes less scary, but why is it so important that when we're tapping we're actually stating the very thing that is causing the problem or causing the distress.
1: Yeah, that acknowledgement of what's actually happening, it really is where the change work starts to happen. And I know people get drawn to want to do the positive because of, you know, our positive affirmation world and law of attraction and things like that, because it feels better to want to do that. But it's a band game. It does. (laughs) And look, we all do it as well. And you can do, and I say to people, you can do positive tapping, but let's do this part first. And then we'll do the nice positive bit at the end. And it is about let's not put a band aid on it because the subconscious is 90% of our behavior. So that yes. conscious part of the brain of running that is only doing what it tells. So the subconscious is like driving the ship, if you like, and the other part's just standing up the front, watching the waves go by. So it's like, well, we actually have to change the messenger. And that is that 90% there that where the balloon is, as you say. And sometimes it just feels counterintuitive to people and often in our clinical trials even the first time someone says exactly how they feel they burst into tears because they know that's how they feel but they've been trying to ignore it if you like and even in the world of phobias and OCD and that kind of space the more you try to ignore that kind of repetitive stuff that goes on the louder it gets so mm-hmm. it's a really it takes a lot of willpower to ignore that whereas we go no let's look at it and let's say it and everyone goes mm-hmm. what? Hang on a minute, but that is where the change happens. We have to engage the amygdala's message, the stress response message, to get it to come down. So we just sort of have to get people to hang in there long enough. Um, someone in the EFT world, and I forget now who to credit, likens it to kind of bring up the program and then hit the delete button on the computer yes. keyboard. You yeah. know, so. It is about you actually do have to get in touch with it first, but not to a great depth. We're not making anyone relive anything from their childhood. It's just enough to hit the delete button, if you like, and tapping is the delete button. So, yes, then we can do positive tapping, which you know carol look and some people like that in the eft master world have some beautiful techniques around gratitude tapping thank you tapping you know those kind of things and they're fabulous to do when you feel good and you haven't got anything happening you know you walk around and she does her gratitude walk once a day around new york where she just taps and says all the things she's grateful for and there's no other tapping other than gratitude tapping so those are lovely processes but they're best done when you feel good and you're not addressing something else in your life.
0: Yeah. And I think that too, when, when, uh, consciously we're, we're trying to cultivate a good feeling thought, but the body feels different and the subconscious feels different. It's going to override, you know, that as no matter how bad we want, you know, the, the happy times, uh, it's better to clear, you know, to really sweep the dirt and then actually get the whole body on board um, you know, get the whole body on board with feeling good and activating that amygdala, the fight or flight center, uh, kind of a strange, uh, example, talking about phobias. I, I somewhere developed this fear that, um, I'm 29. I developed this fear that I was going to develop a terminal illness and, and die. Uh, like, like in the next couple of years, I was just like every day I'd get a sore throat. I'd go, I'm like, Oh, this is it. Like, right. This is the end. And so doing some tapping, and it was a very intense phobia, right? And but then doing some tapping, you it's almost like uh, as you're going through, you start to question what you once believed to be true, right? Um, you, you start to go, oh, wait, maybe that's okay. I do eat a plant based diet, I, I do exercise every day, I do meditate every day. I actually have no, no evidence that this is going to happen, right? Um, but I wanted to ask you about, you know, kind of playing off of that how does tapping work when somebody is working on changing a belief that they have held in the subconscious mind right because if our if our belief system is formed you know usually at a at a young age or through heightened emotional experiences right we have this crazy experience then we tie you know we create meaning in the subconscious um so crushing that belief that that i was you know in some grave danger i have no idea where it came from uh but how does tapping work when we look at taking something that we believe to be true, like, it's hard to be healthy, I can't hold on to a relationship, you know, money is scarce, any of these things. How do we use a tool like EFT to actually start to reframe and, and like you said, hit the delete button and then reprogram in a, a new belief so that somebody can live a happier, healthier, or, or you know, wealthier life?
1: Yeah, so you can do one of two things. The first one is the easiest, and it sounds like you probably did it with your phobia, where you just tap on the strength of the belief about how much you believe in it. So we say validity of cognition. It's like how much do you believe that's a valid thought out of 10? So someone goes, yep, 10 out of 10, I'm absolutely, you know, going to die, or 10 out of 10, there's no good men left out there, like these are the ones I've heard. It's 10 out of 10, <laughs> money doesn't grow on trees, like whatever and just literally just tap on I believe this this is my belief I believe this 10 out of 10 and you don't have to know where it comes from that can be enough to collapse a belief and like you said in the moment as you're getting that number lower just keep tapping and tapping and tapping even if nothing else comes to mind you start to question it yourself so you actually start to go oh but hang on a minute I eat a plant-based diet, I exercise, I meditate. Ah. So you start to get your own counter, rational thought countering it. So if you get there, it goes away. You never have to know where it came from. And that's fabulous. That can work just like that. And people then go on to actually not have that belief. So the other belief that's more rational just replaces it. And you don't have to cultivate that yourself. You don't have to do affirmations. It just happens. The other way it can happen is, Through tapping or someone just knows, they know where it comes from and they remember a time in their life, maybe in childhood, where they heard dad say that certain saying to them over and over again. So they'll have a distinct memory. So it can be that you know where the belief came from and then you can use tapping on that belief in that age of you might have been five or six and you remember something happening at home and you can process it that way and, again, the belief can collapse by doing it and we do certain techniques, as you know, movie technique and things like that on a memory. Yes. But with a belief, you don't have to know where it comes from, you can collapse it just by tapping on the strength of that. It's like, I don't know, I just believe this, but I don't want to anymore. So you can do that kind of tapping or you can actually tap on the memory if it comes to mind or you actually already remember because it was such a distinctive time in your life, you're like, I just remember being told I was useless and not going to amount to anything. And in that moment, I took it on. You can actually go back and tap on that as well. So you can do, I like belief work because I think you can change whole patterns of behavior, particularly money. Like you said, you know, money is something people want to change a lot, but it often goes back to What beliefs did you grow up with? What were the family sayings? What's the value, self-esteem? And you can actually just collapse it and it changes immediately, which I think is fantastic.
0: Yes. When when we're using EFT, um, one thing that I've seen in myself and with with people that I've worked with is that um, the subconscious will like show the conscious mind something that it didn't know previously. So it's almost like something like a memory or something might have been locked away in a vault for, you know, X amount of time. Um, is that because we are we are dropping the fight or flight response and maybe putting ourselves in a safer space to see some of these things or are there parts of our brain, uh, you know, responsible for, for memory that we're actually stimulating when we're using EFT?
1: Yeah, so the hippocampus is, is that memory center of that Memory is suggested to be everywhere in the body, but let's just talk about the hippocampus being that kind of filing cabinet, if you like, in the brain. It actually lives next door to the amygdala. So as the amygdala calms down, the hippocampus is able to give that information up. So it's really hard to retrieve memory, particularly about distressing things, if you are in that activated state. But as the amygdala calms down, so we're directly impacting the amygdala, the hippocampus can then actually give you that memory or give you ideas about where something came from and that is often why um and lots of clues sometimes in tapping is clients will roll their eyes up to the left or the right yes we say to them what happened there and they're like oh no don't worry about it you know i just thought of something that's not relevant to what we're tapping on it's like no no it's totally relevant please (laughs) tell me like what did you just think well i just had this weird memory of when i was seven you know and you're like that's the hippocampus so we look for it but People don't realize if they're doing their own tapping at home or they've just stumbled across Brad's fabulous videos and they've never seen a practitioner, but when that comes up, they kind of push it aside and go, that's not relevant to tapping on money. I'll just come back to the video when that is highly relevant and that's the message we try to get out if people are just finding tapping through videos. That is really relevant because that's the hippocampus allowing that memory to come up because the amygdala has gone quiet and going okay, over to you now so they live next sure. door to each other in the brain so it is literally biological what's happening
0: that's so interesting and I think that that's something very important if somebody's listening to this to understand not to downplay the little flashes that you do get of like oh yeah but that was just you know my third birthday party when everybody laughed at me or, or whatever it is those can be uh oftentimes the, the root cause right um when when we look at tapping you know a lot of times because it has gained this reputation of being something that does work very quickly right but i think sometimes we have this kind of skewed idea where it's like oh if we don't collapse something in 10 minutes then tapping isn't going to work for it right um how important is it do you think for people to be specific on what they're working on i think kind of the kiss of death is is trying to fix everything at once versus like How important is it uh, it for people to be specific on, okay, I really do feel, you know, a heightened emotion around this, collapse that and the legs of the table that surround it and then move on to, you know, the financial goal that you have or whatever it is. But how important is it for people to focus diligently on something that they're working on until they're actually making measurable progress, even if it doesn't happen in like one, you know, miracle, five minutes, 10 minutes.
1: Uh, absolutely, it's probably the most important thing, and it is the reason why if someone stumbled across tapping even 30 years ago and says, "Oh, that doesn't work," I've tried that, that doesn't work. The the reason for that typically is they were too global. So they did a video online. Um, there's some videos that float around how to you know attract an extra fifty thousand dollars in your life through tapping. They do the video once and they don't get an extra fifty thousand, so they go, "That thing didn't work." And of course the real reason there is it's not specific to you so it's it's not specific to what's happening and you mentioned that tabletop table legs and you know tabletops for anyone new listening is a big global issue like I always procrastinate and it's like yeah, but tapping on that or I have low self-esteem. But tapping on that may not get much shift and it's the mm-hmm. legs of the table that we're trying to get to. And I think you're right. We also recommend daily tapping regardless of whether you have any issues purely to build a habit. Even five minutes mm-hmm. tapping, brush your teeth every morning, tap on how you slept last night, what you've got. I love um, Gene um habit of tapping on his to-do list. So he looks at his to-do list of which I have three sitting on my desk here and, um, <laughs> and he goes, do a bit of tapping on my uh, to-do list today like just daily tapping it's easier to remember when the wheels fall off with something bigger in life if you've been tapping every day and you get an accumulation effect so you actually get like a building effect of lots of things starting to improve in your life just by daily tapping so it is about be specific to your own circumstances if you can't work out what that is go and see someone that is skilled and Mm -hmm. obviously objective like yourself and absolutely if things aren't shifting in tapping then that is a sign that you're probably not being specific enough or there's something else at play there and that could be you know reasons not to change secondary gain um, not saying the right words that kind of thing and again somebody objective will help you see that so even myself you know I've been tapping for 20 years but I still might ask someone that's a colleague hey this thing's not shifting I'm not looking at it from the right angle ask me some questions so we don't see our own stuff sometimes from the inside so yes specific being specific is absolutely the key
0: yes and and i think that we all do have blind spots in every area um one of the last things that that i did um you know that i did want to ask you about is the idea of secondary gain and, and do you think that in order to really facilitate a long-term change, people have to want to change, right? Because uh, an example of secondary gain would be like somebody you know has very little money, but they also receive a lot of sympathy from people around them when they're struggling. So that might, Uh, outweigh the need to have things be different but do you think that to really make a large shift in some area of someone's life that they they truly do have to want to change in the first place
1: yeah I think you know that that's one part of it is sometimes people do really want to change but are unaware of that unconscious part we say um the protective part, the part that doesn't want to change. We just give it a Mm -hmm. nice label rather than, you know. So it's kind of like we know you want to change, but we also know there is another part of you that doesn't want to change or it's the scared part or the fearful part or the sabotaging part because it's got a reason. It's got a protective reason. So we try to get people to look at that part at kindly almost like you know a young child that doesn't know any better and it's like so rather than kind of going ah this part that sabotages me just sort of and we once people can recognize they're they're both there you can actually use both of those in the tapping statement so you can actually um there's an EFT practitioner Colleen Strader who talks about the double bubble so she talks about two balloons so one balloons inside the bigger balloon but one's the part that's sabotaging that doesn't want to change but the other part is the part that wants to change but she's like use both of those in your statement so even you know even though you know I really do want to earn more money but I know part of me doesn't because I actually get a disability pension and I don't have to work yes like both of those collapse them both at once then you'll actually get it's just that a lot of people are unaware of that part of them in there that actually is scared that, no, there's a really good reason why we run this behavior pattern in our Mm -hmm. life. And sometimes even sitting back and asking yourself that money's another good area where people are like, well, if I actually did earn more money, what would that mean? That Mm -hmm. kind of thing. And then suddenly you get ideas of, you know, negative things. And that's the part that's protecting you. So even anyone listening that finds some of those big things in life aren't changing, try and sit back and go, "Mm, would there be a really good reason why this doesn't want to change? So yeah, so I think um, wanting change is part of it, but I think there's another part there people often aren't aware of.
0: I think that that's so, uh, that's that's such a perfect explanation and money is a great one because uh, unlike a lot of other things money is actually tangibly measurable right it's like if you want to know if you're making progress look at the bank accounts right are they going up are they going down are you yes. spending everything are you taking so it it really is and money is such an emotional thing because our money story is formed a lot of times at at a young age and then we spend the rest of our lives trying to figure out why we do what we do and what you said about the protective part right the the subconscious uh, it is a protection mechanism, first and foremost, that we do have a two million year old part of our brain that that is always on the lookout. So if it thinks it has negative connotation to, OK, I could have lots of money, but at the same time, people in my family might disapprove of me and I really value their opinion and I, I love spending time with them it says, well, that connection is more important to us than, and it really is always looking out for you. And and again, looking at it from a place of empathy going, well, thank you. It's so cool that this part of my brain can actually serve me by running these sabotaging behaviors that I, that consciously don't make sense. Right. So Mm -hmm. I just want to say uh, thank you so much for taking this time. Um, I would highly encourage everybody to grab a copy of the science behind tapping. It is a book that I actually, it doesn't even sit on my shelf, it actually sits on uh, my desk, because sometimes I just need to flip through and (laughs) reference it. Um, But uh, where can people uh, get a hold of you and see more of, of your amazing work online?
1: Yes. Thank you. Uh, So peterstapleton.com is just the main website that will direct to any of our programs that we might be offering. Uh, Social, uh, all of the handles are just at Peter Stapleton, So follow us there. Instagram's where I put most of the EFT tapping information, uh, but Facebook as well and lots of other bits and pieces, LinkedIn, Twitter, all of that.
0: Oh, Dr. Peter Stapleton, thank you so much for your time today. I really do appreciate it. Absolute
1: pleasure. Thanks, everyone.
0: Has stress become a way too normal part of your life? And no matter what you do, you can't seem to stop it sometimes. If there's one thing that worked for me in being able to interrupt these feelings of stress, anxiety, and overwhelm, it was emotional freedom techniques. If you've never tried this before, I would highly encourage you to do so. It will absolutely blow your mind. You can grab my free stress release tapping meditation at jordanulrich.com forward slash stress. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Authentic Success Podcast. If you've made it this far, it means you are not a dabbler and that you are someone who's truly committed to making a lasting change. If you like what you heard, please leave a rating, comment, or review as it helps me bring this message to more people that need it. If you want to go a step further, this is an invitation to grab a free copy of my book, Authentic Success, at jordanulrich.com forward slash success. Keep your energy up, keep moving forward even when it's scary, and I'll see you on the next episode.